Okay. Welcome to the February edition of the Fantasy Book Discussion Group. And I am Ann Parsons, and I am pinch-hitting for Julia Kulak, who is in Portland, Oregon, this week, and is can't, she can't be in two places at once. So... I'm here, and the rest of us are here, and we are discussing The Forest Lord by Crenard. Uh, forget the first name. Anyway, who's he, Crenard? And uh, I won't say anything until you two have, have uh, said your thing, and then I will say what I thought. Well, first, it's uh, Susan Crenard. I loved it. Obviously, there is something wrong, goes wrong in the next book, and I'll be anxious to see what, hear what you said. I loved it, but like I said, when I mentioned it, it, it is definitely, uh, a lot of it is a romance novel. Uh, but there's a lot of fantasy element to it, and of course it all comes out right. And, and um, I just thoroughly enjoyed the setting and the way she brought the country life to the country that you know the, the country estate to life and and his transformation the way he found out he actually started to care for people i thought there was you know it just had all the all the cool elements there was magic in it and and uh not it wasn't real violent or anything i just i, I thought it was cool that poor guy that was a fox all those years old though poor guy well i didn't like it um, I thought there was too much love and sex and not enough fantasy. So I gave up about halfway through. Although I did like what she was doing with the estate or the region or whatever. It's um, So that the people were starting to get back to the where they were before. Um, so... That's my opinion. Well, she started to learn to take responsibility. And, I mean, she was such a flippy, you know, when she would, which, I mean, she was a flippy when she was young because that's how she was brought up to be. I mean, she was a person of her time. And um, she had to learn to to kind of stand on her own and, and take responsibility for the estate and for the, the people that lived there, which she hadn't thought a thing about them before, and for her son. And uh, it was just, you know, it was kind of interesting. And yet she wasn't totally without, you know, she was beginning to get financially on her feet again. So, uh, it, it just, I, I, of course, I like romances. You, you don't. And I like romances that have a good, strong... I, what I liked about it, I think, was the balance, because you had plot. You had some an element of danger. There could have been more. There could have been more suspense. Uh, but you had that mixed in with the romances. And so many romances don't have, you know, they seem like they're going to have a plot. They seem like, sound like they're going to have a story. Even the time travel rom- romances, which I just love, but I, 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 I do like I used to do with the old gothics. I wanted to take the heroine, shake her till her teeth rattled, and take the author and shake her until something happened in the book. Well, I have to say that uh, um, I, I hear what you're saying, Lana, and you guys probably won't like what I have to say about this book, but I did not like it either. I found, okay, that this was a combination of a of a Regency, it was a Regency fantasy, and it just did not, 
it should have been either one or the other, frankly. And because it was a combination of two things, um, she didn't do either well. Okay, the mark of a good Regency romance is a heroine who is absolutely against or different from the regular ton, if you will, and who is ready and willing to take life into her own hands and act as, as you know, a reasonable woman would. Um, the very best of the romances, I think, are the Georgette Hare romances, but then, you know, I, I like creme de la creme, and when I read stuff by other people, I just sort of go, eh. But, um, you know, she tried to write a Regency romance, and it kind of, kind of fizzled. Then she tried to put fantasy in it, and that kind of, well, I just thought she was a complete and total wimp. I'm sorry. I just, I could not respect her. I respected her for going and looking for her son. That I did. I thought that was the right thing to do. But this whole sexual um, stuff and nonsense and, and, you know, oh, what am I going to do? I feel attracted and I don't know what I'm going to do. And No, no, no. I mean, you either are or you aren't and you either do something or you don't. But you don't stand in the middle of the... You know, you don't stand in the middle of the bedroom and, and uh, you know, shift from foot to foot and can't decide what the heck you're doing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I stopped about a quarter of the way through and, and uh, I just, no. Uh, it's, if you like that sort of thing, it's really great. Um, and if she was trying to write a gothic, she didn't even come close to Mary Stewart or... Victoria Holt or anybody like that. Um, no, uh, it, it just it just seemed like a one of those books where you say, "How on earth did the editors ever choose this book?" Well, I vehemently disagree because I love the blending of the two genre together, and of her taking what should have been a a, a character of her time the way she is and, and, and having her, you know, gradually evolve into something stronger to some extent. And she's still kind of victimized by her uh, her aunt, who isn't really her aunt. But um, the idea of blending, and, and I agree with you on Mary Stewart, and of course, Georgette Heyer never wrote anything better than The Grand Sophie. There, that just And it used to be read by somebody, I don't remember, who read the older version, who was so such a good reader. It was back in the 80s, I think, when that first version came out. I think they've redone it with somebody else reading who, who doesn't do as good a job as, as whoever did. She didn't read very many books. Wonderful British accent on her that I think is her was her own. Um, but 
Um, and Mary Stewart, uh, by the way, the ivy tree is up. If anybody notices that, talk about gothics. Um, although, although Victoria Holt is one of those I wanted to rattle her bones because I come on, let's have something happen. But no, I love the blending of two genres, just like blending a fantasy and a mystery, or blending a um, um, what are the other kinds that uh, you you could blend the science fiction with a with a uh, a horror story or of of crossing the genres as I, I I love that. Well, I can I can understand why you would. Um, I just and and the idea the uh, the idea of blending the genres is great, and I think. If this had been in in a different author's hands, um, I think the blending would have done better. Uh, I think, <laughs> well, if I can use a, a cooking uh, analogy, she uh, got egg yolk in the egg white and her angel food cake just went flit. <laughs> so... You know, I, I'm sorry, but uh, it just didn't, it, it didn't, uh, um, didn't do anything for me. I'm sorry, it just didn't. Um, and I, I wish it had. And yes, I did see the ivy tree up there. I'm very glad to see that, and I hope we will see more. Mary Stewart, one of my absolute, absolute favorite books of all time. In fact, I think it may be the one of, well, I have several favorite books, but uh, my absolute favorite book of all time is Mary Stewart's This Rough Magic. I love that book. And I made a copy of it some centuries back, and I still have it. Um, And I did manage to rip it to CD before my poor old... Sony 105 bit the dust. Um, but in any case, that's neither here nor there because this is not fantasy we're discussing. But uh, I, I wish that she had done better. And I wish that the character had been better. And I just so wish that um, she hadn't completely fallen apart when... Um, you know when she discovered that the that the forest lord was the the uh, uh, you know was was who he was and you know I wish I wish that she had had the strength to to rise up and and be a better person but you know uh, that's that's where my mind is but and and as I say I understand how you feel about the blending of the genres and I just wish the blending had gone better. Well, we didn't agree. We shall we shall vehemently disagree. We didn't agree on Elizabeth Moon either. So we just have a we comment stories from a different point of view. By the way, uh, Madam, will you talk? Which is on Bookshare, which is fantastic. I, I now it isn't as it isn't as deep as Ivy Tree. It's it's more of a chase novel, but it is fun. Uh, it's on Bookshare. It's not on anything else. I, the, a long time ago, they did it on Talking Book, but they haven't done it on on Bookshare. I mean, uh, on Talking Book for a long time, and it's uh, it's it is it is a great. Some of her earlier fantasies are just so good. 
I'm talking about Mary Stewart again, not about the other. But, you know, we, we will just totally disagree. We're, we're, we're trying to get, I think we read for a very different reason. We, we get something very different out of our books. Then you, you get different things out of books than I do, and everybody, you know, reads for different reasons. Well, I, I'm glad that, that, uh, that you can respect my reasons, and I can respect yours. And, um, you know, if we all agreed, it would be a pretty, pretty dull world, uh, really. It would be. Um, but just to finish the Mary Stewart thread, yes, I have a copy of that, too. <laughs> uh, yes, well, uh, I just wish I... I just wish I could get my Sony 105 fixed. If I could get my Sony 105 fixed, there are several things I would really like to put on CD. But unfortunately, that's the way it is. Well, they're doing more. For- oh, by the way, um, for those of you who like classics on Talking Book, I know we're getting off on Talking Book. and Well, this isn't fantasy, because no, it isn't fantasy, even though it has to do with witchcraft trials, because there weren't any. I mean, there weren't any witches. Uh, the Witch of Blackbird Pond, which, of course, when I was little, I read it by Terry Hayes Sales, and that's on there, too, and, and read by Terry Hayes Sales. But, I mean, you know, we talk every so often on Bard about bringing back some of the old classics, and, boy, that goes way back. I mean, they had to really pull it for that, but, but it's again, it's like the grand Sophie, it's read by somebody new, or not new, but newer than than the old Terry Haysale. Didn't she? Didn't she read well? Yes, absolutely. And I noticed um, some Anne McCaffrey up there too, which I grabbed immediately. Um, but yes, uh, I loved Terry Haysale's. Read many, many books that she that she narrated and. Um, Many good fantasies. In fact, um, she was the one, I believe it was she, who read uh, the first version of A Wrinkle in Time that I ever read. And I think she also read some of the old Andrew Lang and books like that. All right. Well, we've we've pretty well stated our opinions about the book. Um and it's been interesting because, you know, if we both, if we all agreed, it, w- it would be dull. So, what would you all like to do for next time? And I don't have any real ideas because uh, I've been reading science fiction and mystery lately. I should be reading fantasy, but I'm, um, I'm. I just finished up some Ben Bova, and uh, so I don't have any fantasy suggestions. Anybody got any suggestions? I don't have a suggestion, but I'm not sure. I assume you've read some of the Orion books by Ben Bova, and I'm not sure, but what that wouldn't be fantasy. Uh, yeah, we're talking about ancient gods and ancient peoples and so on, or a superior civilization, probably what humans became or something evolved into or something. But, you know, the way he get the, they. You know, my definition, my line for science fiction is pretty much hard science, and uh, the Orion books are are very fantasy as far as I'm concerned because they're throwing them around in time and there's no explanation of how they do it. They just do it, and there are these guys they call gods and 
course, he's in love with this goddess, and they deal with different parts of history and how it could have gone and how it didn't go. And and that I I have. You know, I guess it's science fiction, but I, I, when you said you've been reading Bedmova, I don't know if you've been reading the Orion books, but they, whether you call them fantasy and science fiction, they're they're very interesting. Except I wish I'd eventually resolve it. You know, I hate these books that go on for twenty books. Nah, I've been reading um, the Empire Builders. This is all about the 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 uh, the starting of the space industries and all that kind of stuff and. And uh, uh, Dan, what's his name, and and the fight with the Russian, and the, the you know all this malarcus and and uh, no, this is more hard science fiction that I've been reading. Um, I got a question for you. Have we done any old, you know, like fairy tales in in this? Uh, uh, in this group, have we have we explored any Andrew Lang or any um, folk tales at all? Because uh, those are fantasies, whether we acknowledge them or not. But they're the they're the roots from which all this modern fantasy springs. So I was just curious as to whether um, you know whether whether you. Uh, would uh, would be interested in, in anything like that. Um, Marshall, you got any suggestions? No, I'm afraid not. I've been kind of drawn away from both science fiction and fantasy and have been focusing on mystery. Um, you know, I, I just haven't seen anything that really reached out and grabbed me that I wanted to read in the latest offerings on Bard. Um, I wouldn't. I would have no problem going back to a, f- a fairy tale collection. And yes, it is fantasy. I I don't have any problem making that connection, because that's what that's what they were. Um, we did that one. Um, I I keep wanting to say G.K. Chesterton, and that isn't who did it. One of Lord Dunsany. We did, remember we did that Lord Dunsany book a long time ago, and none of us liked it. It didn't make any sense. It was so. It was all written to be colorful and exotic, and we couldn't understand what was going on. It was a mess. But there are some, you know, like you say, the Andrew Lang books, um, uh, or some of the early fantasies that were done. The old uh, Lloyd Alexander. That's not fairy tales. That goes back into fantasy. But when you're mentioning the classic readers and and uh, writers and so on from from back when, and then you mentioned A Wrinkle in Time. So. Any of those sounds good to me. But yeah, a fairy tale, that'd be a nice change of pace. Do we know what Bard has on those? Well, Bard does have the whole 12 fairy books in one big humonga volume. I'm not saying we should read all of it, but, uh, you know, I just was thinking about that. And then you mentioned Lloyd Alexander. Now, I know, I think I remember that we did one of the, uh, we did the, um, the Book of Three. I think we did that here. Um, I know we did. But Lloyd Alexander's written other stuff, too. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, the one about the... the. Um, but he's, he's, as I say, he's got other series as well, um, which might be fun. Um... Hmm. 
I'm just trying to think. Old fantasy. Classics. Um, hmm. Gosh. Nothing, nothing sparks, really. Um, the problem is that a lot of these fantasy writers write these huge, long series. I am reading one book, though, that is rather kind of interesting. Um, it's the first in a series. It's called Black Mantle. And I don't remember the author. Of course, it's an Irish name. And it's the first book of the Celtiad. And I don't... um, I can check the DB number. But uh, it's on Bard. And I've got about... Oh, I don't know. Halfway through it or so. And not because I, I don't like it, but it's it's um you know, it's one of these long fantasy books that I that I kind of dip into and, and come back out of. Um it is rather long though. Um I don't know if that appeals, but um that's that's about where my ideas are going at the moment. What what do you think? It depends on what long means. If long is under twenty hours, it's that's not too hideous. If long is 30 or 40 hours, you know, like, what was the Andrew Lang? It's something like 105 hours or something. I think it's even probably longer than the Bible. And good heavens, it'd take you all day to download the thing. I do remember running into that now. But good heavens, that uh, that would be unnecessarily long, way unnecessarily long. I'm not sure I'm recommending it, but I just finished Belgorod the Sorcerer in the David... Eddings series, um, which kind of is a prequel to the two other to the two four book series he wrote with Polgara and Bulgariad and Garion, but it's kind of long, and you really sort of do have to know a little bit about the other books to read this one. Well, I sure wouldn't mind rereading Belgareth the Sorcery. Yes, I downloaded that too. I saw that come along, and I, uh, I snapped that up. Uh, that's on my in my TBR folder. Um, yeah, that that would be great. I wouldn't mind doing that. Now that is long. I mean, it's like twenty-two hours or something. I don't know, however long it is, but. This Keltiad, the Black Mantle, is, I think it's like 25 hours or something, 24, I don't know, it's something like that, but uh, I wouldn't mind reading Belgareth the Sorcerer. I think I did read it once. Um, yeah, I know I'd read it once. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. That'd be kind of fun to dip into David Eddings again. I think I'm going to vote for your book, The Black Mantle. That sounds kind of interesting. Uh, We did the first of the, I don't remember the name of it, but oh, about a year or so ago, we did the first, we did a David Eddings that was the first of his, of of that series. So where does the sorcerer come in? Is it the third or fourth or twelfth, or how far into the series is it? It starts before all of it. It tells everything up to the beginning of the book 
the beginning of the series from Belgrus's uh, point of view. So we learned where he was born, how he became a sorcerer, you know, all of the stuff that went on with um, some of the people that showed up in the the series. Um, and, you know, it just kind of fills in that that area. The one I'm hoping I see next is the one that tells the story of Polgara, because I'd like to know a whole lot more about her. Well, uh, it probably will show up on Bard eventually, but if you write me privately, I might be able to uh, uh, assuage your curiosity. None of us ever copied talking books for our own personal use only. That's why God made patch cords. Yep, you're right. That is just why God made patch cords. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Um, well, if you want to read Black Mantle, I don't mind finishing Black Mantle. That, that you know, I'm about, I don't know however long I am in the middle of this, and um, it's getting interesting. At least I could say that, that even though it's long, there is a lot of action in the book, and, you know, it's it's good. It is ripe with uh, Celtic imagery and Celtic, um, you know, there's Celtic gods and stuff involved, and, and uh, you know, it's all based on the Celtic tradition. So, um, and there, in the beginning, there's a whole long series of, of um, uh, there's a whole glossary of of Celtic terminology and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's quite a well-researched fantasy book, I think. So, um, if you guys want to read Black Mantle, that's fine. Um, I'll have to look on Bard unless somebody wants to go up there and look for it and uh, tell me the DB number. Well, I can find it, but I can't give it to you right this second. Well, as long as we know the title, that's usually pretty findable. Uh, yeah, something Celtic, we'd better go with something that's on Bard. I tried to read a bookshare, uh, an Irish mystery that took place in the 6th or 7th century or something, about a, uh, a nun who solves a mystery, and they were all Irish names and Anglo-Saxon names, and, or Saxon names and so on, and, and I couldn't make it through. Not to criticize bookshare, but oh, gee, you have to have somebody who knows or at least has the the mantle, shall I say, of pretending to know how to pronounce those names in order to really enjoy the book. Oh, that's funny, Lana, because I I proofread an awful lot of those those Sister Fidelma books. In fact, I think I I proofread about three quarters of them. So um, I'm well familiar with how Draws pronounces. <laughs> All those Celtic names, and I'm not sure that that, that Jaws uh, really is up to the task, but, you know, I just ignored all those names. I just assumed that they were scanned right, um, and I just left them alone. But, uh, yeah, those those are good books, if you can get past the, the Celtic names. They are good mysteries. They really are. In fact, I'm in the middle of. Um, well, I just I just proofread one. Just uh, when was it? it? 
back in the yeah back at the end of last year I proofread it uh, uh, the latest Fidelma book um, but yeah she's really good I like her I admire her a lot to tell you the truth uh, I didn't mean to criticize Bookshare I mean the, the Celtic names a lot of have a, have a lot of, of consonants that you don't pronounce you know nobody could read that with software however that was before the mp3 books came out I bet on mp3 even though it might kind of still going to screw up the pronunciation it will do it with a certain more greater level of authority so that um, you can it would just be easier to read I would think with Heather than than uh, with uh, my uh, uh, poor little I think I was no I didn't read it on the stream I read it on the book since then but um, reading an mp3 version might be a lot easier on the ears and the temperament well you might be right about that I mean that you know <laughs> As I say, uh, Jaws was rather uh, emphatic about the way it pronounced things, and I have no idea if they are correct or not. I mean, I just got used to hearing the way Jaws pronounced the names, and, you know, I think of them that way, and <laughs> I'm sure if somebody were to come along and pronounce them correctly, I'd say, Who? <laughs> but uh they are good books so if you if you care to to um revisit sister fidelma uh that would be a that would be a good thing now she's she's my idea of a of a women woman heroine um she's she yeah she's my kind of gal she isn't a wimp at all <laughs> all right well let me um finish off this recording here we can still stay here i'm sure but you know i think we better finish off this because we're not talking about uh uh fantasy books at all right at the moment so if everybody's agreed to do black mantle we will do black mantle um hang on one second you two uh, talk for a bit let me go find out what who the author is hold on actually if the um I think if my book sense had pronounced the names with a certain degree of authority, like Anne's uh, Jaws apparently did, it wouldn't have bothered me. But they just sort of came through as a fula. It didn't really sound like a word half the time, and I think that's what irritated me, and that was the fault of my book sense, but who knows. I wonder if you could get a Irish version of Jaws, and it would do a better job. Oh, that's hilarious. I don't know. Uh, well, they have different languages, but they have, you know, English, but that wouldn't be Irish by any means. <laughs> I don't know. That would be interesting. A Celtified Jaws. Or, let's be fair, a Celtified Window Eyes. Maybe you could could go out and write a script for Window Eyes that said, this book is Celtic. Use Celtic pronunciation for names. Some things have pronunciation dictionaries, but I'm not sure that, particularly if you download it in Daisy, you wouldn't necessarily be able to spell the word anyway. Um, so you you might have a problem getting the pronunciation, getting the name in the. I mean, even if you decided on an arbitrary, we're going to pronounce it this way, so that it at least is an understandable word. 
Uh, but I'm not sure you could do that. I mean, somebody who knows a whole lot more about computers than I would to do it. But a pronunciation dictionary, and I do have one on my uh, voice sense, but I don't really think I want to listen to a whole book of the voice sense reading it. Um, but a pronunciation dictionary could possibly... Somebody needs to write a script for Celtic pronunciation dictionary, and and, the, and the, remember the Saxon names were a problem too. So you'd you'd have to do Saxon and Celtic, you know, and 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 insert that dictionary. I don't know if there's a way to. Oh, I mean, sure, there's a way to do it, but I sure don't know. No, the pronunci- pronunciation dictionary would probably work if you could figure out the pronunciation. But these things that have you know five or six consonants in a row. Um, would be very uh, just don't compute with me you'd have to just either you'd have to have somebody who was irish or had an irish background or just within your own book arbitrarily decide we're going to call this character jane yeah well look on the bright side at least they weren't chinese names where they're all you know they're all sounds they're not don't even have syllables and nouns and vowels well, look at the ancient writing. Um, you know, in the old Aramaic, and the when they tried to when they translate the Egyptian hieroglyphs and the and the some of the early language of Hebrew and so on, they didn't. They have to guess at what nouns were there. I guess I think guess there are some indicators, but basically they wrote in consonants. I mean, that'd drive you crazy. Hello, I'm back. It's Patricia Keneally Morrison. And the book is Black Mantle, A Triumph. Is that one where they, where they leave and they go out into space? Well, there seem to be several planets. You don't, you, the one thing I don't like about this book is that they don't really explain some things. Now, they, they, there seem to be two or three or maybe four different planets that are all part of this Celtic alliance or whatever or a celtic uh section of space or whatever and um it doesn't really describe how they get from place to place but um it's not really science fiction though it's more fantasy because this has to do with gods and magic and um beast protectors and and stuff like that it's uh um it's very good. It, it so far it really is, um, and, and uh, I've I've enjoyed reading this. So if you go to Bard and you type in Black Mantle, or you type in the the forty nine five zero four. Let's see, I think that's forty nine four nine five nine four. Yeah, four nine five nine four. And uh, if you do that, you'll get it. It's um. But it's uh, quite something. It really is. Um, I'm I'm enjoying reading it. So good. I'm glad we're doing it. And the next meeting of the... Uh, and I guess the book is particularly appropriate since our next meeting is going to be on St. Patrick's Day. So I guess that's, that's pretty appropriate. Um, I think you're missing an earlier book in that series, if it's the one I think it was. Um, where they leave Earth. Uh, it's a very fiercely anti-Christian book, 
when the St. Patrick comes to Ireland and uh, the people who follow the old religion uh, sacrifice to make it possible for a ship to leave and then they go into space and have some encounter, meet some aliens but it's there is a book about where they departed from ancient Ireland um, in in um, the time of St. Patrick and so there is probably a book before the one you're talking about oh okay well I didn't know that because it said the first book in the Keltiad. And so, uh, whether there's another series that covers all this, I don't know. But, um, anyway, I'm enjoying reading it, and it's not overtly anti-Christian. It's just, it's just, uh, um, pagan. It is definitely pagan. And definitely Celtic. So, you know, you get Druids and stuff like that, and um, it's not, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not that it's anti-Christian, it's just that it's, it's pagan. And, you know, if you, if that bothers you, then we won't read it. But it's, I mean, it's not like they're encouraging us to become pagans or anything like that. It's just, uh, I considered it part of the fantasy theme. Um, rather than a a uh, uh, a statement of of belief or of reality of any kind, it would just was uh, part of the part of the story. If this is after they left, it probably is. There probably is. There probably is no problem. But this is uh, the one I read was in the conflict when they departed from Ireland, and that is either maybe these all took place before that, in which case it wouldn't be a problem, or they all take place after that, in which case it wouldn't be a problem because they're functioning in their own society. It was just that that was the one book that I had read. And who read it? Some English reader. Holmes? Was that that Holmes guy that has read some stuff? Very good reader. Beautiful job of reading beautiful language. Yeah, this is him again. Uh, Same guy. It's worth it just to hear him read it. Yeah, and he does all the Celtic pronunciation correctly, which is great. I think it was him, or was it Graham Malcolm, who read uh, the How Green Was My Valley. Um, wait, let me let me get rid of this recording. All right, we are doing Black Mantle, the the uh, a triumph, the first book of the Celtiad by Patricia Keneally Morrison. Uh, it's on Bard as DB49594, and the next meeting will be on St. Patrick's Day, which is kind of appropriate. Thank you all for coming.